in a galaxy far, far away, there has been an awakening in the Force. A new entity rising out of the shadows to be our only hope and the Star Wars Destiny website that I have been looking for. Top Deck TCG. This place is the bright center of the universe for all your gaming needs. Top Deck TCG has everything that is Star Wars Destiny. Use the promo code REBEL when checking out to receive 10% off your entire order. Now, that's a deal even the huts can get behind. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Hi, this is Ashley Eckstein, voice of Ahsoka Tano and founder of Her Universe. And you're listening to I Rebel, a Star Wars Destiny podcast. Forgery of Imperial documents. Possession of stolen property. Aggravated assault. State your name for the record. Jin Asa. We have a mission for you. I want to help. Good. The world is coming undone. Imperial flags reign across the galaxy. I fear nothing. All is as the Force wills it. Every day they grow stronger. There isn't much time. I rebel. Welcome everyone to I Rebel. I am Jedi Geek Girl, and joining me today is my co-host, Sarah. Hello Jedi Geek Girl, glad to be here again. Glad to have you. How have you been doing? Not too bad, I'm just at the tail end of a cold, so hopefully that won't affect my voice too much today. But other than that, I'm good. I know how that is. Luckily, I've been dodging the sickness, but I hope you get well soon, because I know that can be quite miserable. Yeah, thank you. Um, I haven't been sick for quite a few years, so it's probably a long time coming. Yeah, I'm about due myself. It's been like a couple of years, so I'm crossing my fingers at this point in time. Without further ado, let's dive right into this podcast. But before we do, we need to take this time out to send a special shout out to one of our patrons. This episode, shout out, goes out to Jackman Games. Jackman Games are a great group of guys who we have been proud to podcast with together in the past, and we wish them the best in the relaunch of their podcast. Thank you, Jackal Buddies, for your support, and thank you to the rest of our patrons. It is because of you that this podcast is made possible. To find out more information about our Patreon program, including how to get a one-of-a-kind token, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash aribaldestiny. Jumping right into this show, let's kick off the show with your week in Destiny. How has your week been? Um, so we have regionals coming up here. There hasn't been one here yet, as far as I'm aware. And I've been really faffing with what deck I'm going to play. Um, I've been back and forth, sort of with three or four. I still haven't really made up my mind. So yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a funny week because I just can't decide. I know how that is. I know I have regionals coming up myself in a couple of weeks and... I think I know what I want to run, but at the same token, I also know that, full disclosure, what I want to run is Vader, but I also realize that it has a huge target on its back, but I also know if I run Han Kyo, which in my experience has a fantastic matchup with Vader, 
It doesn't do well with other decks that are in the meta. I've been a bit too concerned, I think, about the meta and what should be played to beat what's out there. And I've just come to the realisation now that I'm kind of running out of time and I just need to pick a deck and what will be will be at this point. I think that is a trap that a lot of players fall into. I know a lot of people like second guess their deck list and their deck choice and their deck matchup. And basically, I think the key to success is basically running what you want to run and what you really enjoy running. Because if you worry about the matchups and your deck list, you kind of fall victim to your own headspace. Yeah, and also because it's it seems to change every weekend. We have regionals as well. Something slightly new comes out and, you know, they're now thinking, oh, how do I beat that different type of deck? It can just give you a headache. So I'm at the realization now that I just need to pick a deck, play it as best as I can, and not worry too much about what everyone else is playing. Now, we will dive into it a little more in our main segment, but for those who are listening, what three decks, if you are okay with disclosing it, are you bouncing back and forth between? Yeah, so originally I was on sort of Han Kira, and then I kind of started looking at Po Han as well, which does a similar thing, but I felt it was slightly more consistent. And then I started looking at the whole vehicle deck side of things, which isn't something I've usually play. So that was quite a new experience for me. But I was quite drawn in by the fact vehicle decks with two characters were doing well. And I prefer that over having sort of three characters with a lot of health. So I kind of tested out that one of those decks. And then I kind of started leaning on my fullback deck of Blue Hero. But I just don't feel quite confident that Blue Hero has got enough at the moment especially with the limited amount of reps I have to get used to it. So those are the three kind of decks I've been bouncing up and down, and I'm probably leaning a bit more towards vehicles at the moment. But I don't know if that's in such a great spot right now because people seem to be putting in a lot of vehicle hate. I just think I just don't have to worry about that. I'll just play it as best I can and see what happens. I think the great thing right now is even though Vader is on the forefront of everybody's mind as well as Mill. It seems like no matter what, you have options. There's anything that you can run. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's going to be a weak matchup, whatever you play. Sometimes in these competitive events, you just have a bit of a rub of the green with your matchups. Sometimes you could just be unfortunate. So you just have to accept that really and just try to have fun with what you bring. Before we go too far into Star Wars Destiny, we got to save a little bit for our main segment. Let's go over your week in Star Wars. What have you been doing this past, well, couple of weeks technically in Star Wars? Um, so not a huge amount, to be honest. I caught a few of the films on over the Christmas break, just sort of bits. I did get quite a few Star Wars related Christmas presents. So I got the Thrawn book and the Bloodline book, which was recommended to me by yourself. So thank you for that. And I've also picked up um, the... Imperial Assault um, Lafal expansion as well. So I was playing that quite a lot, sort of start of last year, Imperial Assault. So for those who don't know, that's another FFG game that uses miniatures and you play sort of as a campaign. So there'll be someone who has to be the Imperials and then the rest of you will be the Rebels. And it's basically, you have a certain storyline to follow in that and you have to try and complete the mission before the Imperials stop you doing so. So I've got the new expansion for that and some of the character packs, so um, Ezra, Kanan, basically the whole Ghost Squadron, and Thrawn as well. It sounds like to me that you had a pretty good Star Wars Christmas. Yeah, I mean, I always struggle to put stuff on my list 
for what I want for Christmas. But this year it was just like, right, what Star Wars stuff could I get? So that filled up my list really. And I got pretty much everything I asked for. So it was great. You mentioned before playing Star Wars Destiny kind of got you curious into the extended canon and reading the books and stuff like that. And I think that is absolutely wonderful. That is fantastic. That is beautiful. And hearing you get more books for Christmas, it's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, it really started me on this path. I mean, I've always watched the films. I always really liked Star Wars, but I wouldn't ever call myself a fan until I really got into Destiny. And I think the thing that really started it was when Empire at War hit and we got all the Rebel characters. And then I was intrigued about who they were and I actually wanted to watch Rebels. And that just sort of set me down that path. Speaking of watching, have you had a chance to watch The Clone Wars? Yes, yeah, so I've already watched The Clone Wars. I did start re-watching it when they announced that it would be coming back. I got up to about halfway through season three, and I need to get back into that again. I have been re-watching it myself, and I just got done with a rewatch with a group of people that I rewatched all the Clone Wars episodes with, with the Mandalorian Civil War. And I don't want to give too much away because it is a very powerful episode. But that final episode of that arc where Maul is in charge of Mandalore and that conclusion and what happens, that episode is so good. It has to be top five. And for those who know what episode I'm talking about, I apologize for dancing around it for spoilers. But that episode is absolutely fantastic. It has to be top five, in my opinion, of the Clone Wars episodes. Yeah, I know exactly which one you mean. Actually, that was the basis of me trying to convince my other half to watch it with me. He's watched Rebels with me and enjoyed that, but I couldn't quite get him to sit down and watch all the seasons of Clone Wars. So I've kind of baited this episode and just trying to get him to watch it with me to get to that point, because I think he'll absolutely love that episode and that whole arc. So how about you? How's um, your week been in Star Wars? It has been busy, like usual. I did finish Shadow the Empire and another book, and I am now reading Courtship of Princess Leia which has been really interesting. I'm not sure what I think about it yet. How many um, books do you think you get through in like um, a month or something? I try to get through one a week, one to approximately three a month. It really depends because all the books are different sizes. So I can usually plow through a book like a young adult book or a junior novel relatively quickly. But those larger adult novels, such as Courtship, they take me a while because I try to read every night. And sometimes I am so tired that I cannot do 50 pages a night. So I try to read every night, sometimes just 10 pages, sometimes just 40. But I always try to make sure that I'm reading. Yeah, that sounds really impressive. I'm just one of those people who will read a lot and then I'll get distracted And it will sit there for ages and I'll have to kind of get myself back into it, which is always a little bit difficult. But, you know, it sounds sounds like you're really dedicated and sounds great. I know how it is. And I think that is because of the culture that we live in now. I think ADHD, like everybody has, because everybody has their phone, they're constantly looking at it. So it does take me a little while to get through a book. But that's just because that is the world that we live in now. Yeah. No, I think it's great that you do that and something, you know, we should all put our phones down and and read a bit more. So I should maybe take a leaf out of your book. I am also trying to get to 50 Legends books by the end of this year and the beginning of 2020, which is quite simple if that was the only kind of books that I was reading. I'm also staying on top of canon, so I want to make sure that I am reading every night because I want to make sure that I hit my goal. Is that a New Year's resolution then? 
Uh, no, it's just something that I was just thinking about. I'm like, well, I'm at 27 books read for Legends. I don't know why I cannot make it to 50 because I'm going to be reading these books regardless. So why not make it a go? Why not post about it? Why not try to make it a challenge for me to do? Because this year, 2019, is going to be so full of Star Wars. I mean, we got four books already announced. We got comics. We got the movie. We got Clone Wars. We got Mandalorian. So I'm going to have my hand full. It's going to be a challenge. So why not make it a challenge? Because it's going to be so difficult this year, especially if you are like me and you want to stay on top of canon. Yeah, I, I take more of a relaxed route to it, I think. But no, it's it's great to hear that you've got, you know, so many books to get through. And yeah, as you said, 2019 is going to be a very Star Warsy year. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming in canon and I'm looking forward to that. But I'm also looking forward into growing in the Legends timeline because I want to understand it. I want to, how do I put this? I want to learn. I want to make sure that when I'm discussing something with somebody, I can be like, oh yeah, I know what that's from. I know it's context and... What can I say? I get obsessed, so Yeah, no, sounds sounds great. Good luck with good luck with it. Absolutely. And I believe that it is now time to move into our main topic, and that will be about going over a couple of the decks that we are playing in the meta or have a couple of thoughts about. I know that right now there are so many options, but I think we need to start with Vader. Do you have any quick thoughts on Vader? Yeah, so I haven't, I'm not planning to play Vader. It's never kind of something I've wanted to do because I don't tend to like playing the deck that is the deck. But we have a version built of it to sort of practice against and test against. And it's just been brutal. We've been playing some games yesterday and whoever was playing Vader was just ripping the other one apart. It got to the point where I was a little bit soul destroyed as well at the end of the evening because I was like, I've not beaten this deck once tonight. It's just, if it just rolls between average and well, it's got such a strong chance of winning, I find. I know that there was a little talk on the latest episode of Elbrook Gaming, and I would like to get your thoughts on it. Do you think that Vader is too strong, or do you think he is just fine? I think he's probably somewhere in between. The issue I find where I just I think I just can't beat him is if he gets off Price of Failure first, second round, that usually results in a dead character on my side. Or if Fist comes out first round... I just can't stop that trawl of damage coming towards me. And I have actually find it's not that hard to get Fist out first round. Two resources for the start, and then if you've got the palace battlefield, and then you hit his two resource side, you can get that Fist out straight away. And there's just too much damage coming at you just to, you know, I, I often have a dead character first turn. That's something that's been happening quite consistently. And as I said last night, I played against it and first character was dead first round and then my second character was dead second round and I was like, oh, ouch. And I was trying to think like, what could I have done differently there? And I looked through my plays and there was really nothing I could spot that I did wrong. The only thing I thought maybe I could have hard mulligan for something like Friends in Low to try and get some of those burst damage cards out of his hand. Other than that, I really didn't feel like I played badly or did anything wrong. It's just he just rolled well and just got resources he needed and just did Vader things. That's the thing about Vader, right? He just does damage sometimes. Sometimes you can be ahead. Sometimes you can play the game perfectly and he comes up from behind. 
I, full disclosure, don't have much experience with Vader. I've only played against him three times and I didn't play the deck, not yet. I want to try the deck. I want to try to learn the deck. That deck is kind of like, for anybody who knows me, that deck is right up my alley. And I think I want to play the deck just because it fits my playstyle. But I also know that it is that simple. And while Jin Kazian isn't the best deck in format, it is very rewarding to me as a player. And with Vader, you don't get that. So I am a little bit conflicted. I do want to try the deck, but I don't know if I want to stick with the deck that is no disrespect to the people who play it, but it's that simple, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I agree. I don't think it's a deck that, you know, you need to be a special sort of skilled player to play it. It is quite role dependent and has a good chance of rolling those high sides as well. So, you know, as long as you don't roll terribly, I think you're in with a chance, even if you're not the most skilled player. Saying that, I do, there is some aspect of it that I feel is great for the game in terms of like a new player can pick up, you know, this such influential character in the Star Wars universe, just roll some dice and do a ton of damage. I think that's quite good for maybe the casual aspect of the game and maybe enticing new players into the game. But competitively, it feels a little scary to be put up against it when you know he's going to hit you hard. Not always a lot you can do about it. I agree, but on the same token, I also think he's good in a way for the game because he is that iconic character. He does attract people to the game and back to the game who are huge fans of Darth Vader, as well as people who like that big character, little character deck. And as we saw with the latest spoilers from Convergence, the big littles are coming back with Phasma continuing that trend. I actually hope that one per set you have one big character because I think that is an important aspect to have in the game. But on the same token, you do not want them to dominate the meta where it eliminates your middle, middle, and your three wide. I think it is important to have a format where all those deck options are viable and it's not just a big thing. So I do think that Vader is good for the game. I also think it kind of is discouraging for the game. But I think right now it is about them trying to figure out, okay, where is that middle ground? Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. I love the fact we've got a big little deck back in the format. I think they've got his power action spot on, protecting his die that way. But there's still ways you can kind of use that power action against him by maybe disrupting his hand to limit his options. But yeah, I think he's great for the game right now. Maybe when rotation hits, the fact that we'll lose price of failure might sort of soften him a little bit. It also depends if they leave Fist untouched as well, because that is just such a mental support for him. I think the game will dramatically change after rotation. I think Vader will obviously be a part of the format, but I don't think he will dominate it. It's just right now, we have those Awakening cards, and those Awakening cards are very strong. So wait and see, but I think that Vader will continue to be on top, but not be such a tear to behold, you know? Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. We'll have to see. And there are ways to play against him, and... I want to move into the next deck that I want to talk about because, as I said, I played against Vader three times and two of those times it was with the deck that I tacked out against Vader and I easily beat Vader. And of course that deck is one of my favorites. I think it has a lot of options, but I don't know, there's still room for discovery. And of course I'm talking about Han Kier. What are your thoughts on Han Kier? I was playing this deck quite early on. 
I just liked that they thematically paired nicely and you got that plot that lets you have 12 health and be able to spend 31 points. I've had a bit of a mixed experience with it. I mean, I haven't played it competitively because there hasn't been any regionals here yet, so I can't comment on that. But I had kind of a mixed bag results with it. I also felt it's quite a deck that's quite role dependent. It's a deck that wants to be fast, but it's not one of the fastest in the meta right now. So being able to claim is sometimes hit and miss depending on what you're playing against. My first version of this deck, I had too many neutral upgrades in it. And then that causes you issues with hands special, you know, not being able to reveal either a hero or a villain card because you've only got neutral cards in your hand. I felt that was a bit of an issue with my first build. So I tweaked it after that to be a lot more hero and villain based and had a bit more success with hand special then. I agree. It reminds me a lot of the old Django Beers deck, not that Han is so roll damage and resolve as that deck. But to me, it seems like either you rolled really well or you rolled and you missed. Where with Jin Kazian, Jin Kazian is the same way. But it seems like no matter what you rolled, you could do more with it than you could in Han in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I mean, you've got three damage size on hand, so... He's probably a better aggro character than Cassian is. For me, that deck feels like, because you're limited to neutral weapons, it feels to me like you may be just missing one or two. If we could have got the like the DL44 as a neutral weapon, I felt that would really propel the deck. It just feels to me like there's maybe eight upgrades you can have with Holdout Blaster, Hidden, the X8, and then the new Sun Blaster pistol, or whatever it's called. That feels just like it's just one or two short for me in that deck. I don't know if you felt the same way. I think having access to second chance would help the deck. Obviously, I think that is a given. I think light side or dark side things could help it, but I think the biggest thing it is missing is second chance. Yeah, I mean, being able to have second chance in that deck, having the option to put it on either Han or Kira, depending on who they go for, would be really great for that deck. One of the things I do like about the deck is because you have access to both hero and villain yellow event cards, you can kind of tweak the deck to beat whatever you want. If you want it to beat vehicles, you can throw a bunch of vehicles hate in it. If you want it to beat Vader, you can. Like I did, I think it's absolutely crazy that you can run both double cross and pay off in the same deck. It's like, how do you not beat Vader? Yeah, another thing I would probably make sure is in there for the Vader matchup is Friends in Low, or maybe even Scruffy looking Nerf Herder as well, just so you can get into the Vader player's hand and take out those Price of Failures, Fear of Dead Men, anything that's like really bursty from hand, just to rein back some of that damage he can do. I love Scruffy Nerf Herder. That is actually what I ran in my deck. And I want to go over what I ran in my deck to beat the Vader matchup, and that would be two Scruffies two paid off, two coercions, and two double cross. So I had eight cards right off the back that targets Vader's hand and his dice that is absolutely crazy that you don't get in any other deck because if you ran hero, automatically those cards are cut in half. And same with villain. So I thought that was really wonderful because my opponent was always like, okay, can I do damage or can can I set Nope, nope, denied. Yeah. And probably my favorite villain card in that deck would be Bane Switch because I just get so much satisfaction after doing a Bane Switch. When you were building your deck, what other cards were you looking at when it came to your events? One of the givens for me initially was Hyperspace Jump 
because I don't think it's one of the quickest decks in the format, you can still be a bit messed up if your opponent's playing that as well. So I haven't had a huge amount of success with hyperspace jumps unless I'm playing like a vehicle deck. I've always found that my opponent's done it to me before I got a chance to do it to them. But that might be me just not being aggressive enough with my claim and making sure I'm quick enough. Other cards I looked at was Quick Draw because I've always been a fan of that. Because you don't have a, you don't have a red character, so you don't have the hit and run play. So you could look at drop in, but then you've got to make sure you get your battlefield on the roll off or make sure you switch it in after a hyperspace jump. But quick draw has always been a card for any kind of range deck has been one that I always look to put in. But I haven't felt that that has really given me that much of a payoff, to be honest, when I've tested it. Yeah, I think quick draw is a pretty good card to have in a deck. But I don't like playing two cards to do something that I could do in one card. It seems like when you play quick draw, you are automatically down a resource because those cards in your hands are resources that you could like discard to reroll or play for other things. And after playing a quick draw to do, I don't know, six damage or a quick draw into a double cross, it doesn't seem like it's worth it going down from five cards to three in one action. Yeah, it's one of those cards that when it works and you god roll when you've done a quick draw, it feels great. When you've burnt a card and you roll out hardly anything, it just feels awful. So it's one of those high risk, high reward type cards. So maybe not great card for a competitive game, but still one of those really great cards if you just you know want that excitement of seeing what you roll out and what you can resolve straight away and do without any input from your opponent. I do want to go back a little bit to hyperspace jump. You were talking about hyperspace jump and I kind of drew the same conclusion. Even though I had no problem with resources through Han's ability and the battlefield and truth and cure. Cure makes money like you would not believe. I don't know how many times it took three resources and it was like, yeah, I, I would definitely take that. I never really found myself using hyperspace jump in the way that I would in like a Jinkazian. Yeah, I think it's just for me, it's just not quite quick enough. I mean, you do have hand special as well to try and resolve. So it's not all just gun sides that you're looking at. I mean, you've got discards as well. So there's a few more mixed sides. as you, And over, as you've mentioned, there's the resource side as well. You know, you're going to take those three resources if they come up for you. So you're just slightly slower, I think, than if the deck was really tweaked just to be all about range damage. So I just find you're maybe just an action too slow to get a really good hyperspace jump off. I agree, but the same token, I don't think you cut it from the deck just because it's so powerful. Yeah, again, it's one of those cards that, you know, you just, if you get it off, you just grin from ear to ear as your opponent just, just shakes their head and just looks at you in despair. So yeah, I definitely keep it in. But yeah, it's just it's just not as clutch to me as maybe I expected it to be in that deck. Another thing that I think the deck has a problem with is Mill. And I think with Mill rising... I don't think you take Hanker to a tournament just because, like any gun deck, I used to play like Sabine Ezra, I used to play obviously Jinkazian and other gun decks, and those decks always had a problem with shields. And with Mill coming back into the format as well as Blue Hero, I don't think it is worth taking Hanker, no matter how strong you think it is, no matter how much access you think that you have to counters, because those shields can be so hard for guns to overcome. Yeah, and also because it's it's a very much deck that's just, you just roll, do damage, and then you're hoping to maybe do some re-rolls as well. 
it's not a deck that's got any focus in it or any consistency from like a special chain or anything like that. So you really need your rolls to work. And if you don't roll well in a mill matchup, you have to consider whether it's worth pitching a card to re-roll or not. And, you know, mills players are going to have a lot of mitigation options. So you could easily just get, you know, your base sides taken away from you and end up doing hardly any damage that round. I agree. When I was building the deck, I was like, I wish there was more focus in this deck. Yeah, I mean, there's so much focus around now. And as we've seen with next set, there seems to be two focus on every single character. So it is an issue for this deck, I think. It just needs the rolls. And if you don't get there, Mill's just going to take advantage. I wonder, I really like the deck, but I wonder if we will get more things for the deck in the next block because I do think having the ability to tech your deck no matter how you want to using both hero and villain cards is something that is strong. But I wonder if in time it will get better because why would you leave that on the table? It's just such a strong mechanic to take things from both sides in one deck. Yeah, I mean, the issue is going to be after rotation is you're just not going to have many upgrade options at all. You're going to lose Holdout Blaster, the X8. So unless they can replenish those neutral weapons quickly, I don't see the deck really surviving the first. It was going to take a couple sets, I think, before that the deck comes viable again. That's true. And that's kind of sad because I really love that a lot of the decks that we're talking about in the format are thematic. Like Jin Kazian, that's thematic. Han Kyr, that's thematic. Obviously, Vader with a battle droid or a Greedo isn't thematic, but you still have thematic options. And I would like to see that carry over after rotation. Yeah, totally. Previously, when you built a theme deck, it was really jank deck, but now there's there's so many good options for pairings. It's just, it was really exciting for the game. Speaking of Jin Kazian, I would like to move on to our next deck and talk a little bit about Jin Kazian. Obviously, Jin Kazian is the deck that I was drawn to when the latest set came out and I took it to regionals to a top 16 finish. Have you had much experience with the deck or do you have an opinion about the deck? So I did build a version of the deck quite early on, actually. It was a pairing I was quite excited about because they just seemed like, on paper, they just seemed like they'd be really strong, especially together working with Jin's ability and then Cassian being able to discard another card that you've rearranged in a certain order. So on paper, they just seemed really strong. My build of the deck was a lot about getting stuff out of my discard pile. In the end, I kind of left it alone because it, was it wasn't quite getting me there. I think I was trying to do too many like niche things with it. Saying that my other half is playing it, He's got a very different take on it, actually, than my deck was. And he'll be taken to a regional this weekend. So I will report back on how he does with it. His is a really unique spin on it. I'm intrigued to see how it does. Playing against me, he's it's probably about 50-50 in terms of win-loss ratio. Yes, yeah, so I'll report back on how he does with it and what kind of spin he's put on it as well. What I really love about the deck is the deck has options. And it involves the player and how you play the deck. Obviously, you just roll for damage or roll for mill. But if you do so choose, you can approach it from a different point of view where you think about, like, casting ability. Like, do I mill the top card of the deck or do I take a damage? And with Jin's ability, being able to look at the top three cards of the deck and then discarding one, it allows you to add a layer of involvement in the game that you would not get 
otherwise with a deck focusing on one strategy or the other. So while that does give you a benefit to run a deck, it is also a hindrance because you have both strategies that sometimes come up when you don't get the one that you are trying to go for. Yeah, I think you have to be really careful with Cassian's ability because it'd be very tempting to just discard the next card because you've seen what it is. You might be a little bit fearful of it coming into your opponent's hand. But at the end of the day, you need to keep making sure you're keeping chipping away. And one indirect from Cassian could really win you the game if it's built up over, you know, three, four rounds. You need to sort of resist that temptation, I think, if you're going for the aggro approach, not just to keep taking those cards out unless they're, you think they're really clutch cards that you need to get rid of. One of the other things I like about the deck is how consistent it is with recursion through two discard sides and every character die. You have no trouble getting off Rebel at all. Yeah, I mean, I had that in my build of the deck. My partner doesn't because he's going for a different approach. I find that Jin is just the super consistent one out of the two. Especially if you get her blaster on there, there's really... If you can get like a hit and run or even a quick draw, you can probably guarantee you're going to do at least four damage What with re-rolling all those dice. I just find her super consistent while she's around. I also think that she's the character that you go for just because of how strong she is. Like, I don't know how many times I have played against my opponent and they've gone after Cassian and I'm like, okay, I'm fine with that because, you know, Jen is going to do work and while you are trying to burn down Cassian outside of a second chance, I am building up Jen to be a beast for that end game. Yeah, I think people go for Cassian because they're aware that his one indirect is really strong towards the end game and, you know, the fear of second chance. So they're probably in their minds thinking, if I get rid of Cassian, then that's easy pickings off the table as well. All those good yellow mitigation cards are out of it. But Jin's really the one in that deck that does a lot of the damage. Exactly. And like I said, when I play the deck, I really do enjoy it because it engages me in a way that Han Cure doesn't. I think a lot of the engagement in Han Cure is in the building of the deck more than it is playing the deck. I wish that these decks were a little bit more how do I put this, had a little bit more options because both decks, they seem like they are a roll and win deck. They don't have the same engagement of the decks that were prevalent and were at the top of the meta less format. Like, I wasn't a huge fan of Snoke dominating the meta, but it seemed like there was more to the game than roll and resolve. Yeah, but to me, I quite like that whole, the decks that do just sort of roll and resolve. To me, that is kind of, in a way, classic destiny to me, and it's what made me fall in love with the game. I know some people, you know, don't like the dice aspect as much as others, but for me, that is what destiny is. That's what drew me in. And I quite like the fact that you can just roll dice and just destroy your opponent just with dice. I know now we've got a lot more focus, we've got a lot more stuff coming from hand, but I quite like the fact we still have decks that are semi competitive, I suppose, that just do that. And coming around full circle, that is why I think Vader is good for the game, because Vader is that deck that roll and resolve, but on the same token, it also engages opponents against the deck to build their deck with that in mind. Like, hey, if I'm running a yellow villain deck, I can play coercion and I can play paid off so I have a better matchup in a way that isn't the same as rolling and trying to burn down Vader. It engages the meta to come up with ideas and strategies to counter the Roll and Resolve deck 
in a way that I don't think Han Kyu and Jin Kazian have, because if I'm playing against Han Kyu or Jin Kazian, I'm not approaching it the same way that I am approaching Vader because Vader is so strong. You have to think about how you're approaching that matchup and how you are building your deck. Yeah, I agree. I think it's great that we have these different types of decks and I hope we still have these different types of decks as we go further into the next block. We are heading into the conclusion of this episode, but before we wrap up, I do want to talk a little bit about the regionals results and get your opinion on them, if that's okay with you. Yeah. So last week, and these are coming from IvyBellDestiny.com, we had a Han Big with Armored Reinforcement win. We had a Yoda Kazian Rookie win. We had a Leia 2 Yoda Taking Ground win, which is a mill deck. We had a E Yoda Kazian Anakin 2 deck, also mill. And of course, we had two Vader Greedos. Do you have any opinions on these regional results going into your regionals? Yeah, so the big thing to come out of last weekend's results was that Mir was back. I'd almost forgotten about it, to be honest. Maybe wishful thinking. So yeah, so we've got to make sure we can stand up against Mill now if you want to compete, I suppose. It looks like two wide Mill is maybe stronger against Vader, so that might have more of a showing than the three wide Mill just because I think it can get into your hand a bit quicker than three wide cans. So that's something maybe we've got to be prepared for. Decks that rely a lot on what's in their hand is maybe going to struggle a bit more in the coming regionals. It also has a good matchup against three wide mill. So I think what you will see is obviously you will still see Vader on top. I don't think you'll see Han Kia have any success. It's like Han Kia cannot win for the life of it. It seems like it only gets your top eight. I think two wide mill is probably the deck that you're going to see rise in the format. Yeah, so on the flip side of that, if you're thinking about what deck you can take to survive that, you're probably thinking of decks that have a bit of consistency. So as we mentioned with the focus or special chaining or something like that, that's not going to rely too much on your hand or pitching to reroll. Stuff that power actions and things like that will probably be much stronger as well. We might even see Snoke come out of this with his power action, his two focus side. Maybe he will come back into the meta now. The window's there for him. I wonder with the rise of mill, two wide mill specifically, if vehicles will, again, it's that circle of decks. I wonder if vehicles will get better because armored reinforcement, you don't have to worry about having your vehicle milled. You don't have to worry about too much inconsistency because your dice are so strong and your characters are always going to be available so if you run a vehicle deck with Yoda you're always going to have that focus there's nothing really too much your opponent can do even if they control the die the die is really strong on its own so I wonder if the deck to beat is going to be too wide mill that you'll see a rise in vehicles as well. Yeah, I mean, I think people maybe trailed off a little bit from vehicles because there's a lot of vehicle hate being teched into decks. I assume maybe most of the mill matchups will have some of that. They might be running EMP grenades, which is quite scary playing vehicles. It's whether there's enough to overcome that. I don't know. I hope so, because I'm interested in taking vehicles this weekend. So I hope we can get over the hurdle of having no cards in my hand and generally just seeing vehicles being discarded. That can be so annoying being a vehicle player, knowing that you're going into a meta that has so many counters. But if one thing is true about this meta and this format is 
there are a lot of options, there are a lot of discussion. It seems relatively healthy. Yes, you have Vader being present. Yes, you have Mill being present. But it doesn't seem like it is not engaging like formats like a year ago. It seems like no matter what you run, no matter where you come from, it seems like you are still engaged in this format. And I think that that is a good thing. It might not be a healthy quote unquote meta, but you are still engaged in this format. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, and as I mentioned previously, the fact that we're seeing like the meta shift after every kind of regional weekend is really interesting as well. It's really kind of keeping you on your toes about what you should play, definitely. So wrapping up, before we dive into uh, cards that we would like to see get reprinted from the Awakening block, I would like to ask you, are you planning to do any like updates from your regional event or are you just going to post how you do afterwards? Um... I'll probably just post how I do afterwards. I'm not expecting too much from this next regionals because I know I haven't got the reps in with the deck because I've been a bit all over the place. So I'm just going to try and approach this one a bit casually. And then maybe I don't have another one until sort of two, three weeks later, by which case I'll probably be looking at a completely different deck. I wish you luck, and I'm sure listeners wish you luck. Well, they'll probably listen to it after you do your regionals, but I hope you do well and have fun because that is what the game is about. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely the way I'm going to approach it for this week. Have you got a deck in mind? I assume you're not taking Han Kira in the next one. I am thinking about taking Vader just because that deck is so strong and I feel like I can have a better matchup against a wider variety of decks in Hankir. I have not committed to it, but that is a deck I'm looking forward to trying in my regionals in a couple weeks. Are you going Greedo or looking at the Retribution option? I am looking at Greedo just because Yellow is so strong. There are a couple of texts I'm running around in my head that... I am thinking to try to improve my matchup against Mill and the Mia match as well. But it's just a matter of sitting down and putting that deck together and thinking about how I want to build it because I won't have much time to play tests. Well, it's proven, so good luck with it. Thank you, and, and you too, no matter what you decide to run. Thanks. Beginning the wrapping up process, like we usually like to do, we want to begin this process by picking one card from the Awakening block that we would like to see get reprinted. Starting with you, Sarah, what one card would you like to see from the Awakening block get reprinted? Part of what we've been speaking about, I'd probably like to see the X8 Sniper reprinted. I just feel that that's a really solid upgrade for two. It's one of those cards you don't want to put down straight away because it's got that three for one pay side, but it's something you can overwrite into mid to late game. I also really like its ability that a lot of people forget about. So it's spend a resource and you can flip it to any side, which usually you're going to pick the three for one. So then it obviously costs you another resource to then resolve it. So it's usually sort of an end game play and it can be quite a clincher as well, especially as your opponent tends to forget it's even a possibility. So I'd like to see that reprinted or something similar coming out of maybe the base set of the next block. Just because I feel like once rotation hits, we're going to lose quite a lot of our ambush ranged weapons. I just feel that's a really kind of solid two drop. I agree with your choice because in the Han Kier deck, I find myself using the X8 Night Sniper ability a lot. A lot of times people forget about it, 
But when you use that ability to change that die to a three for one, it's like you see the look on their face being like, oh, yeah, I forgot that you can do that. Yeah, they suddenly twig and they're like, oh, no, because they've just sort of see that you don't have lethal on there. They think they're fine. And then they do that and they're like, oh, so, yeah, it's, it's a really satisfying play. For my option, I've been thinking a lot about it. I'm going to pick a very, very, very unpopular choice. And I think I got to go hyperspace jump. I like what hyperspace brings to the game in a sense that it allows your quicker decks to have an option against your slower decks. I think if it was to get reprinted, I think, I don't know if it would be the same. But I think having the ability to end the action phase is something that I think the quicker decks need access to. So maybe if you were to reprint it, you don't make it hero only. Or you make it a little bit more restrictive. I don't know. But I think it is important to have that mechanic in the game. Otherwise, your quick decks don't have a chance because they just sit there and they can't do anything. So I think you need to have a card in the format that allows you to keep up with your deck that you know they just sit back and they do anything they want yeah if you just said that to me maybe three four months ago i would have not agreed at all but where we are now with vehicles getting much stronger mill being much more of a threat i feel that the aggro player needs that ability just to jump out of a round otherwise they're just gonna as you said they're just gonna sit there and get overwhelmed by you know, the vehicle player doing all this stuff to you when you're pretty much done. So yeah, I do agree that maybe it's not going to be so terrible as I once thought if that gets reprinted. But I I also agree that maybe it needs to be tweaked in some way. I mean, at the moment, it's three resources. Three resources back when that card came out was massive. But now it's not that difficult to have three resources. I mean, played a game yesterday and I was actually hyperspace jumped on two rounds in a row. Getting those three resources wasn't an issue just to do that. So maybe maybe you want to put it up to four or make it slightly worse. Maybe you don't get the battlefield switch out opportunity as well or something. I think it needs to be dimmed a little bit, but I still I agree that it can come back and it has a place in the next set. And with that, it is now time to wrap up. Thank you, Sarah, for joining me for this wonderful conversation. I had a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to our next episode hopefully, if everything works well, with Bobby Sapphire. No, no, thanks for for having me back again. And yeah, I look forward to it. Before we sign off, if people would like to contact you, where can they find you? So you can find me personally on Twitter under Miss Sevens or Miss S Evans. And then the token laser gaming business is on Facebook and Instagram as well. That concludes this episode of Ivy Bell. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have been Jedi Geek Girl, and she has been Sarah. Until next time, Jedi Geek Girl, out! This has been I Rebel, a Star Wars Destiny podcast. I have been your host, Jedi Geek Girl. If you would like to contact me, please send me an email at irebeldestiny at gmail.com. And as always, may the force be with you.
Bell is an independent podcast, not associated with Lucasfilm, Disney, Fantasy Flight Games, or any other organization. All copyrights for Star Wars, Star Wars Destiny, and all other properties belong to the proper copyright holders.